Marvel's Wonder Man series resumes filming amongst some tragedy. Argyle takes box office top spot, but at what cost? Plus, we ponder which Super Bowl trailers will we see this Sunday. All that and more on this week's Multiverse News. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and on the panel with me today, we have Jay Sisson. What's going on, Jay? Not too much. Happy to be here. Lead up to Super Bowl week. You know, a lot of news dropping. It's going to be a fun time. Absolutely. And hey, Lee Hobbs. Oh, hey. Go Chiefs. <laughs> and Jay Scotty St. Clair. Hey, what up? I don't have a horse in this race, but I'm happy for everybody else. Let's have fun. <laughs> Go sports ball. <laughs> yeah. Go sports ball. That's, that's my my stance as well. <laughs> uh, before we kick things off, let's uh, start with a little gratitude by recognizing our new five-star review we got this week from PrevHound. says, finally, a thoughtful, fun source of geek, nerd, and genre news. Free of all the all-too-common online toxicity, clickbait, and flame wars. Do we start some flame wars? We should start some flame wars. Multiverse <laughs> News is a breath of fresh air. Matt, Haley, Jay, and Jay Scotty offer a great great insight into the worlds we love and our excellent company on my commute to work. Love these pandas. Thank you, Prev Hound. <laughs> Thank you. All the flame Thank wars you. sounds kind of rad. I don't know. I have to reconsider. Yeah. What is a flame war? <laughs> I'm feeling the flame war. Kelly we'll have to get involved. a headline from Reddit for that to happen, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's get to the news this week. Uh, whatever our reasons for tuning in or out this Super Bowl Sunday, as movie fans, we're not denying the impact the event has in terms of trailers and TV spots. With Paramount, Universal, and Disney all investing a record $7 million for a 30-second Super Bowl spot. Paramount has three spots booked, featuring Bob Marley, One Love, John Krasinski's If, and A Quiet Place Day One. Disney is expected to promote its Father's Day release, Inside Out 2, and the trailer for Marvel Studios' sole 2024 release, Deadpool 3. Um, Universal may feature spots for various films, including Twisters, Kung Fu Panda 4, Monkey Man, and The Fall Guy. Sony and Warner Brothers are notably absent from Super Bowl spots this year, and there's no confirmation from Apple or Netflix about promoting their major projects during the event either. Which of these ads are we most amped for, and are there any upcoming projects not mentioned here that we think may throw a Hail Mary? Yeah, Super Bowl weekend. I mean, the Super Bowl itself, the great American holiday, and we're all tuning in. Most of America's turn tuning in, and I think 
we're going to have the Taylor Swift effect on this one. Uh, the Grammys the other night had a 34% increase from last year because Taylor oh Swift boy. did a lot of teasing about a new album and stuff in the lead up to it. And then she did just that. She announced a new album. And so viewership went crazy. And I think since she is very publicly dating one of the players on one of the teams, like we're going to see some shots of her and her fans are going to be watching and it's kind of a cultural moment. So that $7 million for 30 seconds, like that's the most expensive it's been. And that's, that's why is I think you're going to have more eyes on it than normal. Uh, with that being said, I think Deadpool three is all but a lock that there'll be some sort of tease for it. It seems like, that it's not officially confirmed, like it's not down on paper, but it is all but confirmed. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is also the star of If, so there's a lot of Ryan Reynolds. Sorry, Haley, uh, on the during the Super <laughs> I'm Bowl. Sorry too. And uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, um, looking at all these, I think the one that stands out past Deadpool to me that isn't here that I think we could see as like a dark horse is Wicked. Uh, that's one that's been filmed and it's kind of. Mm. It's coming out later in the year, supposedly, and I could see that maybe. I think it would do really well, like if that trailer made it out. I think Twisters would do really well too, like the sequel to Twister. Like I think that would be a, a one that would play very well in, in this spot. So, so yeah, I mean, I think like looking at all this, there's going to be a lot to talk about on that day after. Uh, we're coming off the strikes. We're coming off COVID. Like there, there haven't been as strong of trailer lineups in the Super Bowl in the past. Uh, and there's, it's notoriously been that way. Like people walk away saying like, man, there weren't really any trailers for movies for things that I hadn't seen uh, as compared to years past. So I think it's exciting. I mean, we've got an exciting slate coming up over the next couple of years and this will be a pretty good first look. Uh, and I think like looking at the way things have been trending, I mean, uh, Kevin Feige came out. I don't know if you saw the hat with the Deadpool logo, uh, where it's like he, he has his Kevin Feige hat, you know, that he always wears. It's got the Deadpool logo, but half of it is Wolverine and half of it is Deadpool. And, uh, it's, it just seems like the stars are aligning for, uh, for a Deadpool reveal. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be exciting stuff. Yeah. I, it, what excites me about this is the fact that like we, we've had this whole strike going on and normally these hype trains are a little more spread out, but with so many movies just sort of now getting the chance to be released, it seems like this is a really good time to do this. It seems like a lot of, we, we heard about a lot of things right after the strikes ended. Like this is now happening. This is now happening. And we got a lot of news real fast. And I feel like this is a big moment for big announcements and big trailers that we've been waiting on. So like, I'm really, really pumped. Uh, I thought it was interesting to see that. Uh, I don't know if John Krasinski is involved in a, Quiet Place Day One, but obviously he wrote, and I think wrote and directed the first two. Is that right? Yeah, Correct. he's involved in the production of it, I believe. Right. Um, I, I didn't think yeah. he had directed and written this one, but it's kind of wild to think that like Paramount's doing three spots and two of them are so John Krasinski uh, focused. They're like, you know, he's, he's such a big force, pretty big force at Paramount right now, apparently, mm -hmm. to have two Super Bowl ads for movies he's so tied to. Original IP by him. Thank you so much, Matt. As you look behind me on the Doppler radar here, you can see we have a high-pressure system of trailers due to hit the entire country on Sunday. <laughs> uh, as soon as we said Super, tra Super Bowl trailer forecast, you, you knew I had that up my sleeve. So, mm, um, nice. so punny. <laughs> yeah, uh, the one that's not mentioned here that I, I expect to see and I think would be a real loss if we don't see is Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. It is one of my most anticipated films for you know the first 
or, or second quarter of 2024. And as I'm like kind of looking at the lineup here, it seems like this summer is going to be a little bit scar- uh, scarce in terms of like blockbusters, especially compared to like last summer. And I think Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes really has the potential to kind of like, you know, be that big blockbuster for the early summer if they market it right. So, um, apart from that, I'd be really, really shocked if Dune Part 2 doesn't at least get a TV spot. Like it's just around the corner, just about to be um, in theaters. And it, this article mentions that Warner Brothers does not currently have any spots, but I'd be really surprised if we don't get something from Dune 2. My yeah. Warner Brothers poll is James Gunn doing something crazy and having David Cornsweat and Rachel Brosnahan as Superman and Lois Lane. Just because he can. Because they've been cast for a while. There's been time to do some little thing for them that would be super fun, I think, and some publicity from him that we would actually enjoy. Um, But yeah, I I don't have any other things to add other than taking a millennial moment to remind everybody that Usher is the halftime show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's going to be good. I'm very excited about. (laughs) Usher's got a lot of bangers. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Long <laughs> career of bangers. So it's going to be good. I, I do have a question for those of us that pay more attention to sports. Is there like a clear like front runner and underdog, or is this going to be a pretty evenly matched game? Like It's going to be evenly matched. Yeah. Okay. Don't let don't let Haley come in here saying the Chiefs are underdogs and stuff. It's just okay. They're, okay. they're both, you know. <laughs> we were in the regular season. It's but not a surprise. Patrick is something different. <laughs> it's not a surprise that both teams are here, is, uh, is all I'll okay. say. They have all the prayers of the Swifties, though, that are like propelling Booing them. Forward. Yeah. yeah. We have a solid team. <laughs> awesome. Uh, all right. Up next, despite rumors of its cancellation, Marvel Studios' Wonder Man series starring Yahya Abdul Mateen II is apparently back on track and actively in production, according to leaked set photos and footage circulating the web. Production of the series, led by Shang-Chi director Destin Daniel Cretton and producer Andrew Guest, began in April but was paused due to last year's WGA and SAG after strikes. The images in question tease an in-universe film franchise depicting a marquee with the Wonder Man title card along with the character's logo and emblem. While we are lacking on official details, including the release date, uh, the latest we've heard is that the series will fall under the Marvel Spotlight banner, and Sir Ben Kingsley is expected to reprise his role as Trevor Slattery. Unfortunately, we learned today that a crew member who was a rigger had sadly died on set after falling from the rafters. The on-set accident did not occur during filming, and we certainly share the condolences of the cast and crew. Regarding the show news, do these wonder breadcrumbs do anything to whet our appetite, or have we yet to acquire a taste for leaks? I'll start by addressing the unfortunate passing of a member of the crew and just say, uh, you know, it's not the, the first time, and unfortunately, I don't think it'll be the last time we lose someone on the on the set or production of a TV show or movie, but it, it, that's just is too, too high a price to pay for any form of entertainment, especially considering, like, this person was not involved in stunts or, or anything like that. They really, like, I know safety is always paramount, and they say safety is is, is the priority there, but uh, it, it's just, like I said, it's just too, too high a price to pay for this you know, in, entertainment as much as I love it. So definitely um, condolences to his, his fr- or the, the person's friends and family there. 
Um, but yeah, uh, addressing Wonder Man, it's it's nice to hear that this series is back on track. Um, it was one of those ones that uh, I'll be honest, I was a little bit of, I was a little bit concerned for, especially with like the pause on production happening so soon after it, it it seemed like it was finally you know getting a good rhythm going. But the thing that kind of stands out to me here is like we had heard that. Sir Ben Kingsley was expected to uh, return as Trevor Slattery, but I, as much as I want to see him return, it makes sense with the character of Simon Williams, like having, you know, uh, he's an actor in the comics and, and has a successful, you know, career as a, as an actor alongside his superheroics. But uh, I, I don't know how I feel about that because with the spotlight banner, we've been saying more and more, like we saw it with echo, how it was connected, but not super, super connected. But I don't know. I look at a character like uh, Trevor Slattery and that one just kind of begs, like he, he pops up in Iron Man three and Shang-Chi and those are kind of like a little bit disparate to me. So I, I, I don't know. It, it just seems like this Marvel spotlight banner has just sort of begun and it's already kind of getting a little bit murky. So hopefully they, they can kind of, you know, find what they want to do with that specifically and really drive content that's supposed to be under that banner there. I tend to disagree a little. I was not a proponent of the spotlight thing, but after echo, I really like it because Mm -hmm. what I think wonder man could be is it's its own show. It's introducing this character, but with Dustin Daniel Craig. Wait, Cretton, sorry. (laughs) It's a tough name. Daniel Craig. It's a tough name. Uh, (laughs) Always thinking about James Bond. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Can't blame you there. (laughs) But with Dustin Daniel Cretton as the director, it means we could get a little glimpse of a Shang-Chi cameo or something like that. And Mm, since Shang-Chi is in California, Mm. not last time we saw him, but since he's based in California and Wonder Man is an actor in the comics, like it would make sense that they could meet somehow. Um, So I, I'm more on board with the the Marvel spotlight stuff because I, I, I just think it is helping um, bring people into Marvel even though like things are very disparate right now, I think they're kind of leaning into that. And I don't think that's mm. the wrong thing to do because it is letting people choose. Do I want to know about this character? Do I not want to know about this character? And eventually what Marvel's going to do is put them in something where whether you know who they are or not, it won't matter um, mm-hmm. is what I think. So I'm, I'm excited. about. So I'm excited about it going forward. I love that idea that Shang-Chi could show up him being a California based. Is he based in LA? San Francisco. It was San Fran. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I just remember he's parking cars of uh, you know rich people. So I thought maybe it was an LA thing. I couldn't remember. Uh, but yes, so him based in California. The other actor or the other actor in the MCU that I'd like to see is Kingo show up in this show. Oh, um, so like that could be a really great like confluence of characters that would all have a really easy way to slip into the show. Um, and also, um, it just kind of makes me interested in like, what is, I think we've talked about this before on this show. I think we talked to, maybe it wasn't anyway. One thing I've always thought was interesting. The Simpsons is a show that has like one of the only, like, you know what they watch. Like there's a bunch of shows inside the Simpsons. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah like there's right. itchy and scratchy and there's all those like crusty, the clown, crusty, the clown, Arnold Schwarzenegger ripoffs. Like we know what their pop culture is. And it's kind of interesting to get a glimpse into that through this show. And also with the Thunderbolts on its way and it seeming like they're building a team to replace the Avengers. It would be really interesting if you see like with the Thunderbolts mixed with Wonder Man uh, and bring in these actors, you see sort of like what they're, how they, how the like 
Val or whoever she's working with is like sort of controlling the narrative and how they're trying to push onto the MCU, the or like onto the people inside the MCU, a narrative about who these heroes are and who everyone is and who Wonder Man is. And it's weird that Trevor Slattery's back after being the Mandarin. He comes back. Like, how do they explain that? You know, it's really mm. interesting. Um, so I, I don't know. It's just I like the meta nature of the show is within the show. And I think very few universes have pulled that off. And it's kind of an interesting thing that they're trying. It could also open the door to the West Coast Avengers. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry to, I know you haven't taken your, your take here, Jay, but I will cut and say, cut in and say, I'm really grateful for this conversation because between the Kingo suggestion and the, um, there was Shang-Chi suggestion there. I was also thinking, depending on what time, you know, this, this takes place, it could be, you know, multiple time periods there. But if we saw Mysterio, given his background, you know, I know he worked for Stark in the MCU, but mm. he still had a background nice. in like special effects. That could be kind of cool. Good call. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a really good call. <laughs> and also, you mentioned the timeline thing. Sorry, Jay. Uh, you the timeline <laughs> thing. It's, it's We're just literally like, no, just going to talk. I just want to get my take on Wonder Man. <laughs> <laughs> but them giving the uh, you talking about the time period. I was just talking about how do you bring back Trevor Slattery after he's like exiled or whatever. But what if this is prior to that? What sure. if he's yeah. this yeah. is mm-hmm. a, like I, I think in Wonder Man, at least in some of the comics, he's sort of a washed up actor. At some points, and like, what if that's the thing? It's like this. What if he was in? What if he worked with Ben Kingsley like back in the seventies or eighties or whatever? And this is like a you know what's going on back then or whatever. That'd be really neat. Yeah, I just think the spotlight thing is interesting because I think we're watching it evolve in real time. Like we we mm-hmm. watched the pitch of it of like, hey, these are kind of connected, but they're not. But they're, you're not really going to see any connections at all. And then Echo was pretty well received, and people liked it for that reason. And so I think at the beginning of Disney Plus, where the Marvel shows were first pitched to us as essentially being like six hour long movies, we all sort of bought into that idea that like, all right, these are going to have movie budgets. They're going to have all the Avengers popping up. Like they're going to be super, Mm -hmm. super connected. But I think we kind of saw that that didn't work across the board. Like it worked for a couple of them. Like it worked for WandaVision pretty well. But then there were some others that I think were really burdened by the connection to the MCU. Like She-Hulk comes to mind just for the the $200 million budget. Secret Invasion is another one that I think really suffered from the, the big connections that it had to make. And even on some of the smaller scales, like... Some of the stories I felt like in some of the smaller ones, like Miss Marvel, for instance, like trying to make the big connections did weigh it down in places, I think. And so the I think what made Echo better from my perspective, and this is just my perspective, but it's that it didn't have to worry about that. Like it was very just focused on what it was and its own self. And it didn't have to worry too much about how are we going to connect this to a big movie? How are we going to make the bigger implications for the MCU? Like how are we going to knock over another domino on the road to the next event film or whatever? And for me, that gets me a little bit more excited. I think it's why we liked Werewolf by Night too. You know, like I think it's why most people liked it is because they were like, all right, that was cool. And it was a good story. And at the end, I didn't feel like, okay, how is it going to connect to the bigger stuff though? Cause I went in without that expectation. Like I just went in mm-hmm. expecting it to be a thing and it was, and I liked it and I walked away. But if I walk in with like, all right, well tell me how this is going to take me to the next MCU level that may or may not hit those expectations, you know? And so it's like, it can kind of feel like almost like a, like an anchor around the, the, the ankle of the show. So the idea of this Marvel spotlight to me 
if if it can kind of get to that point, which is kind of what we're talking about, where it's like you've got the loose connections, we know it's connected. It's and I think we can see the same with Daredevil too. Like, but it's the smaller scale. Like, it doesn't have to feel like it's a massive budget, six hour long movie type thing. It can feel like it's its own story. And I think you get better writing talent, better directing talent. I think you're more likely to get good actors and actresses who want to play the roles in the door. Cause they know it's like, this is a story with a beginning and an end. And maybe if I want to come back, I can, but I don't have to, you know? So I don't know. I think for me that seeing echo and how echo happened, that raised my excitement for this just because I feel like that was what I wanted from the spotlight was just that like very self-contained thing. Mm. Yeah, I, I do like the comparison from the, the special presentation to the spotlight because I do feel like they're very similar things. And I agree with you that we're, we're kind of watching the evolution in real time. But all of that made me think about some of the experimentation we've seen from the MCU in the past. And like it made me think, like, bring back one shots. Like, mm-hmm. why did one shots go away? Like, why are those still not a thing? Like, that was so such a great way to help build out those first couple of phases. Bring them back. Yeah, it's because the real reason they existed was to get you to buy the DVD. Uh, <laughs> that's fair <laughs> and then they stopped so that stopped being fair. a driving force in their was, budgets but uh, I uh, agree with you I'm, like I'm, why not do a 15 minute one shot like especially fill in some of these gaps we would love to see or sometimes they cut scenes from movies even like I know I know, obviously that's a deleted scene thing but you could give some of those like their own little narratives and like push things off the side or subplots things things that they're we, we've talked about it a lot and they did it with Guardians of the Galaxy uh, we've talked about it a lot on the MCU cast for years like what if they just, they're all on set to shoot the big budget movie. What if they shot a small budget movie at the same time? Exactly. You know what I mean? You've got them all in the room. They're doing some sort of behind the scenes thing. And they did it with Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like, I love that model. Because then you get the like great sort of unconnected, not important little cute story, like a, almost like a one shot. But you also get the big actors involved and you get to see the characters you love. Um, I love that idea of doing more of that uh, holiday special thing. Mm-hmm. It feels like Marvel is kind of getting some consumer confidence on the upswing. Um, mm-hmm. I saw quotes from both Paul Bettany and Sam Rockwell from cons or whatever where they were asked, will you be back in the MCU? And of course, they can't say yes or no, but they both were like, I would, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm happy to take the call. So just kind of reiterating that like that negativity that surrounds the MCU is still that vocal minority because obviously actors of that caliber saying they still want to be involved means that there's something still there. And so I just, that wasn't, those weren't really quotes we could do anything with, but I think it's worth mentioning. Definitely. Yeah. Up next, although it debuted at the top of the box office, Matthew Vaughn's $200 million would be February blockbuster. Argyle has not performed well uh, with an $18 million domestic and $35 million global start. Coupled with a C-plus cinema score, the star-studded ensemble cast failed to attract audiences as predicted by tracking. Despite Apple's substantial financial prowess, these big-budget films such as Napoleon and Killers of the Flower Moon are not proving profitable when considering the overall motion picture profit and loss sheet. Lacking ancillaries like foreign TV, theme park tie-ins, and cruise ship exploitation prompting questions about the streamer's long-term viability. What lessons can filmmakers, studios, and audiences alike take away from these numbers and performance, if any? I went to see Argyle. I did not love it. 
I enjoyed about an hour of it, and the rest of it was too much, um, which is usually <laughs> my complaint with Matthew Vaughn movies. It has a great cast, and I think that everybody really acted well in it. It was just the plot that went awry. Um, my and, and when it was over, I said to my husband, like, Apple keeps missing. But... Apple only keeps missing on their films because their mm. TV shows mm. are great. So I think they need yeah. to maybe cut the film piece and continue to focus. We're going to talk about some more shows that they're going to have out here soon in the lightning round. And I'm really interested in both of those. Um, and of course, I was one of those like, oh, I don't want Apple TV. And then my husband got a new phone. So we were like, oh, we have it. And now we're paying for it. You know, <laughs> typical kind of consumer <laughs> BS. But but I'm enjoying the content that I'm consuming from that streaming service. And so even though they're missing, which I wouldn't call Killers of the Flower Moon a miss. I haven't seen Napoleon. And Argyle's like half a miss. <laughs> um, for that price, it's probably a miss for Apple. Uh, but I think that that's where they need to shift their focus for sure. Yeah, I too saw Argyle this weekend. And uh, as much as I love that, you know, 2015 Kingsman film, I really feel like Matthew Vaughn just like took he took the wrong lessons there. Like that movie was very well received and uh, was, you know, emblematic of his like stylization and his, his, you know, uh, his way of depicting action. And he's just kind of run with that ever since. And I'm kind of one of the ones like, I, I like Kingsman, the golden circle. I even like the King's man and Matthew Vaughn is just one of those filmmakers I like to root for. But Argyle, it's it's everything Haley's saying. There is just like I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to start comparing him to Taika Waititi. It's like this is a guy who just doesn't know when to stop, and like he does not need to give in to every indulgence. He needs someone to reel him in a little bit. So I, as disappointing as this all is, I hope he, as a filmmaker, learns some lessons here. I, I Apple, I don't know. That's it's it's a weird one because they've kind of like been on record as saying like even if we make a loss on these films, it doesn't matter to us. We're just using it as like marketing to drive awareness for our overall machine. So I, I, I do think they're probably going to have to like, you know, start to take their budgets into consideration at least a little bit if they want to continue to have, you know, theatrical releases. But the, the other thing that's like super disappointing about this for me is, is the fact that like Sam Rockwell and Bryce Dallas Howard here, like they are both like actors that deserve leading roles. And, you know, despite the material here, they're both giving their all. And I would really love to see them both given more opportunities. But my expectation is, is, is that, you know, this was their vehicle and it, it just didn't deliver. So I don't think they're going to get as many opportunities as disappointing as that is. Mm. Yeah. Matthew Vaughn. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) I I was just going to say, I think they both will be fine. I I mean, everybody in this movie is a list talent. Like they're none of them going to suffer for the movie with, that the wheels fell off of but Mm -hmm. um i will say for bryce dallas howard it was nice to see an actress who just looked like a normal person she's like she's in her mom phase of life and like her body and everything was just like very normal and honestly i was like this is a different kind of representation uh for women on the screen and she does a lot of action in the movie she she does but um i just thought it was really cool and i wanted to point that out and she's also just a great director and i love her mm. agreed yeah matthew vaughn's got like this weird formula like he he shoots his movies at their ticket price so this one was like a $200 million production and then he sells it to the studio. So it's like, Hey, I've got the movie 
And he does that so they can't interfere with the movie while it's being made. So they don't like give him the budget and then he has to get it approved and then they can tell him what to do. But like maybe he needs some studio interference, <laughs> you know, because it's yeah. like the yeah. consumers mm. did not like this movie. Like if you go look at the reviews, it's just people being like, what the heck? I thought I was seeing this and then I went and saw this. Like I thought it was going to be a spy huh. thriller with Henry Cavill and Dua Lipa and it was not, you know, like it's just like the So it's like. You know, maybe I mean, and and I see that. Like when you look at the tr- at the trailer and and the mo- the TV spots, particularly, I, I think it is sold like that. Like the only scene you really see over and over in every TV spot is the the dance scene, right? Where they're like, you know, she like all the lights come down on Henry Cavill or whatever, and it's like a spy. Let's thing. hope you dance uh, as well as you dress. <laughs> only one and way it's to like, find out. Evidently, that was sort of what played with the people who watched it and said, oh, that sounds like a cool movie. I'm going to go see it. Well, then when they saw it, they were like, well, this is not what I thought I was going to see. And that angered them. So (laughs) that's why this has a C-plus cinema score, which means it's going to have, like, it had a terrible opening weekend, but it's not going to get any better. I mean, it's going to, I mean, that's that's as close as it's ever going to get to to doing anything it's going to just go way down from there like a c plus cinema score it's it's basically like apple's just counting down the days when they can put it on digital and then put it into onto apple tv plus so you know overall it seems like just from every angle it's it's a miss it's going to be a miss for the talent involved and it's going to be a miss for for apple for in terms of at least the bottom the bottom line the dollar but like you said i think their their goals are bigger they see it as another piece of content they can put on their streaming platform and um, when you're a company that's the size of apple you can take those kind of losses for the the long game and that's what they're doing they're playing the long game with their streaming service i'm really uh i'm wondering i'm just doing a little like looking around line uh for um killers of the fire moon for rent and it doesn't come up for rent well it does but it's 20 dollars everywhere on all the services, which like rent, that, that would be a purchase well, price. No, I think it might be purchase price, but yeah. there's no rent price. I'm sure. looking at just like YouTube and Voodoo, but like you know when you pull up on Google when you search this movie for rent, like I did that for Killers of the Fire Moon, and it's it's it, it'll tell you where you can get it and how much, and it says Apple TV subscription, and every other one is twenty dollars. Yeah, that would be a thing that would make me get an Apple TV subscription. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. wondering if like this is yeah. a and like, because even this thing, even if people are disappointed in Argyle, those trailers are kinetic and interesting. I think if those show up on your TV on like whatever else, and you're like, oh, I never, oh, I, I didn't even, I missed that in the theater. Argyle for rent, twenty dollars everywhere. Oh, I'll get a seven ninety nine Apple TV subscription. I've been thinking mm-hmm. about it anyway. Sure. I think this might be like, like you know, failing like a fox yeah. with these like, uh, like, like we've talked about. They were some of these movies were originally intended for Apple TV Plus, and then they decided to put them in theaters. Um, and, and it's almost like a loss leader for them. They don't really care how it does in theaters, is how it was described in a previous story we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm really wondering if that's it. They're just trying to become a. They're trying to really build up that streaming service to the point where like it's it's a place people everyone has everyone has an Apple TV subscription because I do think it, they were late to the game on streaming, and I think they're one that people are hesitant to get because it just feels like. One more, one more, really? But if they become yeah. the one that's like, well, I want to see that movie anyway, and I'm, it's the same price. It's it's cheaper to get the subscription, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's just a thought. It's the Costco model, like their chicken is their loss leader, but you pay for the Costco membership every year, and you go and you spend money on, you know, twenty things of cheese or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it yeah. works. <laughs> 
I do love cheese, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Haley, you said it earlier, like you got a year of Apple TV plus with your phone and then you started watching it. And you're like, oh, this is really good. And then it was yep. like time to renew. And you're like, well, this is one we can't get rid of. Like, I'll get rid of Hulu before I get rid of this or whatever. You know, it's like you start hey, ranking them. Yeah. Hey, now. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I'm the case study in the consumer marketing textbook. Like, So, I mean, and that's it. Like, you go a. get an iPad right now. They're going to give you a year of Apple TV+. Plus. You go get an iPhone. You go get AirPods, whatever. Like, they're going to throw a year of Apple TV Plus at you. And they're real sneaky about it, too. Yeah. And I, I do wonder how this will do when it does hit streaming, not digital. I don't think people are going to buy it on digital, but like when it hits Apple TV plus, like I wonder how it'll do. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if it kind of sneaky climbs up a little bit just because people, they saw the trailer and they missed a lot of the criticism on critic from critics and stuff, exactly. but then they just see it popping up and they're like, Oh yeah, that's that one movie I sort of remember. Let me check it out real quick. Like, I don't know. I think it could be kind of a sneaky climber on their, uh, on their streaming service eventually when it finally hits there. If that's their model, if that's their goal, it's almost perfect to have these like really flashy trailers and then have a movie come out with no buzz because all these people saw it and, oh, that was in theaters. I remember wanting to see that, but then I didn't hear when it came out, you know, and then you do that. Like, it's almost like yeah. it's an interesting funneling process if that's what they're doing. Um, but I, I'm really excited to see it still. I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear that you guys have negative opinions because I think... I think it looks really cool from the trailer. I, and I could totally see it being one of those movies where like you come on to do a Bingers assemble and sway everyone to your side by the by the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the podcast. There's parts of it that are not swayable though. That's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it starts really well. It's a little predictable. Um I read the book. It's actually based on a book, Argyle. Um and the book was super predictable too. And then it just goes it just but goes off the tracks. Isn't the book actually <laughs> written by Ellie Conway? like isn't like i think it's all a conspiracy yeah it's a really weird i don't think it's the taylor swift conspiracy i just think it's a conspiracy (laughs) (laughs) the the conspiracy is that taylor swift wrote the book under the pen name ellie conway oh i hadn't heard that fold of the yes oh my god i was a whole thing because of the cat and but the cat's not in the book it's a whole thing Mm. look it up that's that's funny (laughs) she's everywhere she is you want to (laughs) be man she's gonna just come out and interrupt usher's uh, Usher's Super Bowl halftime show. And go, I'm gonna let you finish, but first <laughs> she would never. <laughs> Don't be but first. Let me say, Swift. I wrote Argyle. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All of a sudden, Argyle like jumps up. It's like a billion dollar movie. Henry it's Cavill like... <laughs> comes catapulting down from the sky, like the queen pretended to in the Olympics in London. So great. Oh man. Okay. Up next, during the documentary, Grounded 2, Making The Last of Us Part 2, creative director Neil Druckmann hinted at the possibility of The Last of Us Part 3, revealing that he has a conceptual idea for another chapter in the story. Druckmann emphasized that while the first two games had clear concepts of parental love and the pursuit of justice, the potential third installment would be its own unique narrative. He clarified that a previously mentioned story about Joel's brother Tommy was not outlined for Last of Us Part 3, but rather a separate project that was shelved temporarily due to other priorities at Naughty Dog. Elsewhere in the Last of Us franchise, Schitt's Creek and Home Alone star Catherine (laughs) O'Hara has been cast in an undisclosed role for the HBO show's second season. 
A big week for the post-apocalyptic multimedia juggernaut. Are we infected with the hype? Yeah, it seems like the Catherine O'Hara casting is not for a character from the game. It seems like she is an original character. They're kind of playing it close to the chest on that one, so uh, we're not really sure. But the casting, as we've mentioned on this show before, for that show has always been on point. So um, I trust whatever they're going to do there. As far as The Last of Us 3 is concerned, um, I don't... I'm kind of of two minds. I don't know how I feel about a third installment in that story because I really, really liked what they did with the first two. And I really liked the the resolution or conclusion, at least, that it all came to, which I will not spoil here. But the idea of a third one, I think, does get a little complicated just because of kind of how one and then two unfolded. I do think overall this franchise and this creative team and particularly Neil Druckmann himself who is the creative mind behind this world has proven to have the benefit of the doubt and if he comes if he comes in and says hey I have an idea for the last of us 3 and I'm really excited about it like let me let me see it because I remember feeling the same way when they announced the last of us 2 I remember feeling like the last of us was had an ending that I was perfectly okay with. I didn't need more of it. I felt like this, the subjectivity of it was great. And like, I was perfectly fine to stick with it. And so when they announced the second one, I was a little cynical, you know, it was kind of like, well, it's just a cash grab. The first one did so good. So they have to make a second one and it, they won't do justice with it. Like the first one was such lightning in a bottle. They can't do that again with the second one. And I found myself walking away from the second one being almost more impressed from the second one uh, than the first one. So with that being said, I think, there's there's a more to be tapped in the story from a video game standpoint. I think this inevitably there needs to be more tapped in the show. I mean, this show was immensely popular in the first season, so I think you're going to see a few more seasons past a second season of that show anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's it's exciting times for that franchise, um, both on the both on the the movie or the the series side and on the video game side like a lot of stuff is coming together but the creative team is so strong that I'm I'm down for it. It's interesting when you have these things things change uh media types, you know, you have Game of Thrones that went to a TV show and they never finished it and it sort of surpassed it's uh, it, the show had to go places the books had yet not yet not yet to finish and this is sort of the same thing i it worries me a little bit uh, but hopefully um, they will properly integrate Neil Druckmann in whatever they do in a season three or four, because the clip at making those games is probably not going to be the speed at which they're going to want to make the shows um the show was yeah. so successful and so beloved and still i i'm see, after the um uh, actor strike ended. I saw like interviews with um, Nick Offerman and such, like coming back just to talk about that thing because he couldn't talk about it uh, yeah. during the writer uh, actor strike because people still were like that. I know that was months ago, but like we got to talk about this. That was amazing. Um, really, really great stuff. And I and I hope that uh, I hope it keep. I hope I hope it stays good. And I hope that they can figure out a way to thread that needle of the part three and part four and five of the seasons and yeah, whatever, but it's a big world. You, you can branch off, tell other stories. There's a lot of places you could go as long as you have a good heart to the story. 
Yeah, and it should be said too that Neil Druckmann he's directly involved with the writing of the show. Like he's in the writers' room, he's driving, he's approving every major decision. Like he's right there uh, as a writer on the. He's credited as a writer on the show, you know, in the title credits. Like so, he's right there creatively involved. So I think if you trust him, which I don't see how you couldn't at this point, there are those out there. (laughs) (laughs) I find the timing of Catherine O'Hara's casting. It's kind of curious because we just had a batch of like casting of pretty like recognizable names within the Last of Us franchise, you know. Uh, And now I'm forgetting. Now I'm forgetting all of those names. (laughs) Abby, Jesse, and uh, Dina all cast very recently, and then you've got Catherine O'Hara here. And Matt, you mentioned Nick Offerman, and that's kind of immediately where my head went. So it's like, okay, we cast this this core group of characters here, and then you've got Catherine O'Hara, who is like an established actor with, you know, mainly a comedic background, but has showcased her ability to have those dramatic chops. So I'm wondering, is she going to, you know, fulfill a similar role that like Nick Offerman did, where we get kind of like this one off story and see this this woman's tale within this, you know. Landscape, but uh, I will focus in on the video game news a little bit too because I I liked what I heard there. Like Neil Druckmann talking about, we'll we'll kind of like you know evolve the franchise. I think the second game, avoiding spoilers here, did a really good job of you know revisiting old characters while establishing new characters, and I think the potential to continue to do that with the franchise is there. There's like one character in particular that got introduced in the second game that I could really see becoming the protagonist, kind of following. Um, you know, thematically what we saw in the in the second game, but also being able to do its own own thing. So uh, those of you that have, have played the game, you probably know which character I'm talking about, but hopefully I've uh, successfully avoided spoilers here, so I'll stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, before we take a quick break, I wanted to tell you guys about our Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com slash Multiverse Newscast. Bunch of you guys have been joining over there. Uh, every week we get new new patrons and really appreciate y'all. Uh, Patreon.com slash Multiverse Newscast. And uh, Haley, there's this last week for the contest? Last week for our giveaway. If you join the Patreon tier, it's just $4. If you think the show is worth a dollar a week to you for us on all the work we put into it, we'd appreciate you joining that. And I'll be choosing a winner on the 9th of who's going to get the little Valentine's-themed mini Marvel Pops. They're super cute. It's, it's, it's almost Valentine's Day. Get a Valentine's Day present from the show and show us the love you have for the show. And uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back uh, with our lightning round uh, and our uh, Spotify poll for the week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Multiverse News. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I think Haley, you told me not to do this, but I did it anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, 4 a.m. editing, Matt. He runs. He works by his own rules. I don't know. Mm-hmm. This was calculated. <laughs> <laughs> the Spotify poll this week was: What should we call the Multiverse News listeners? Uh, and we have uh, Andre Mad says multivitamins. 
I don't even take a multivitamin, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. If you're if you're enjoying the Usher halftime show, you got to be taking a multivitamin. You know, you're getting too old. Should be and am are two different things, Jay. <laughs> you got to get some joint support up in there. If you're right, if, if you're, you're singing along to the Usher halftime show, it's time it's time to get a multivitamin. <laughs> yeah. See now, I, I just assumed that uh, Andre Mad's <laughs> suggestion has something to do with all uh, all of our listeners being aged. Uh, <laughs> um, bookworm guy, uh, oh, bookworm guy, super Kodu ninety three and Sunny Tetris all said variants. That's impressive. That's not bad, that's not yeah. bad and that's it's pretty good. It's pretty good uh, on theme. Uh, Dolphin Jordan, <laughs> which I like that name, uh, said multiverse Sears. Multiverse Sears. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Musketeers. He, oh. All for uh, that's one, just baby. a guess. I don't know if that's if that's what he meant. Yeah, I don't know either. Multiverse Sears. <laughs> Multiverse Sears. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it works. <laughs> Dylan Frazina uh, says, The Bugles. I like that. It's not bad. Oh, like the Daily Bugle. Okay. I was I was picturing like the chips or whatever, like the pointy oh, chips. They are one of my like favorite bugles. snacks. I <laughs> I feel like that would have been a good name for the show, like the Bugle, because of the or or the Daily Planet. It's probably done. There's probably some show. Yeah, out we would have gotten sued. We gotten sued for that. Daily <laughs> probably Planet. Probably so. <laughs> um. Ooh. Uh, uh, wait. Did we get three recommendations for this? I. You guys have You asked this for one. this. El yeah. Nino. So the, this, so the way this went down, if I'm not mistaken, it was El Nino first chimed in with chicken wing not chicken wings chicken wing which i liked because it was like you know you've got like delta wing or whatever this is chicken wing okay (laughs) delta wing oh that's something isn't it well you brought it up like you knew (laughs) a a wing is like something you refer to like a part of a like squadron right there's the the wing of group of soldiers Uh, or planes it's like a wing yeah anyway (laughs) something right Yeah, anyway, we had Dama Nipple uh, second chicken wings, and then Ominous Boop third chicken wings. I think that's how it all played out, yeah. Ominous Boop is a very funny name. I mm-hmm. love Ominous Boop. I always do. Uh, the, I really like the evolution of that one, like the chicken wing, like they're they're a wing, uh, like like at our flank or whatever, yeah. but then like I like the the nonsensical change to get to chicken wings. Like it makes, <laughs> I was trying to understand what this one meant. Like why and why three people came up with it? I guess I didn't realize they could second each other. <laughs> uh, Marvel fan says Versaholics. I like that classic play on words. I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Daniela Forrest, who also thanked us for uh, reading her uh, letter from Keanu or letter from Keanu uh, story about Keanu last week. Um, uh, thank you, Daniela. Uh, you're welcome, Daniela. It was great. It was great to read it. Uh, says multiversers. Multiverse insiders or watchers. I like the watchers. All good suggestions. Yeah. Yeah. All good. I like watchers. That's pretty good. Um, Because we are sitting outside of all the multiverses looking in. Let's get 4 a.m. Madden here. Like, is he feeling good about that? Or has he he got anything to say for himself? (laughs) I don't know. Let's find out at 4 a.m. See what he he says in the poll. (laughs) I don't know what he's going to say, ever. Um, Okay, we're going to dive into our lightning round. You guys know how this works. I'm going to read a story, and then each of our panelists have the chance to claim it 
by shouting out their name and buzzing in, and then they get to respond to that story. We are keeping it tight and getting lots of stories in your ears. Here we go. 2024 Grammy winners uh, were, were crowned. We had Best Pop Solo Performance by Miley Cyrus for Flowers, Best Musica Urbana Album by Carol G, uh, Manana Sierra Bonita, Best Country Album, Lainey Wilson for Bell Bottom Country. Uh, best R&B Song, SZA uh, with Snooze. Best Pop Vocal Album, Taylor Swift's Midnights. Uh, song of the Year, uh, What Was I Made For by Billie Eilish and Phineas. Uh, best New Artist, Victoria Monet. Record of the Year, Flowers by Miley Cyrus. Haley, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, it's interesting that Miley got two awards for like the same. I don't know how the Gram. I don't watch the Grammys very often, but um, <laughs> it just seems like so. It's the same thing twice. No, I'm sure there's some sort of uh, obscure difference that I don't know anything about. But yeah, um, one's yeah. for one's for a. Perf- I think it's for an actual performance, like a like a performance yeah, thing, yeah. and so a recorded performance versus a record. Yeah. Chicken wing, chicken wing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Taylor officially has the most Grammys for album of the year, um, mm. which is cool. And uh, yeah, go go, ladies. Like, heavy on the ladies. Yeah, yeah, it was. This wasn't all of them, obviously, all of the awards, but. Some of the big ones. Um, yeah, so cool. All right. All right, up next, after a heated bidding war, Sony has secured the rights to 28 years later, the upcoming film that will serve to kick off a sequel package to the 2002 film 28 Days Later. The film will be written by Alex Garland and Danny Boyle, and Killian Murphy will return, but as an executive producer, not yet announced as an actor, but he says he's open to it. Jay, I (laughs) Um, I was just going to say, like, it's really, if you're a fan of... 28 days later, this is shaping up pretty nicely. I mean, to have the original writers and directors back, to have uh, Killian Murphy come in and say, I mean, he's about to win an Oscar and he's coming in saying, like, yeah, I'd be open to star in this movie. Like, that's exciting. Right. Uh, if you're, you know, you don't want it to kind of be like, a, well, he got too big for that thing where he started. Uh, so if you're a fan of the franchise, I think like seeing him as an executive producer uh, is cool. But directly asked, he says, yeah, I'm open to it. So I think. Like if you're looking at this and and you're excited and you've been waiting on a sequel to this, like the stars are aligned for something to really be derivative of what you loved in the first place, which is really cool. Yeah, it's, it's just so interesting. Uh, I'll use my rebuttal here. Um, it's just so interesting to see a movie like this that felt had that very indie movie feel um, and was, uh, you know, not. I don't know. I, I just never thought of it as a franchise movie, even though it did have 28 Weeks Later, which like I think was a little weird and different. And sort of took the story in a way that wasn't like the original. Um, it's really interesting to see these uh, the writers, uh, the writers and, and the actor come back to see this movie through and make a sequel to it. It's cool. Emmy-winning Succession star Matthew McFadden has been cast alongside Michael Shannon in a new Netflix drama series from the Game of Thrones producers David Benioff, Dan Weiss, and Bernie Caulfield. The series is titled Death by Lightning, a drama retelling the rise of U.S. President James Garfield, who will be played by Shannon, and his subsequent assassination by Charles Gateau, played by McFadden. Scotty, uh, I'll say 
what kind of stands out to me about this one is like Michael Shannon has kind of, uh, I don't know, he's been a little bit typecast for me in like more villainous roles to so, to see him portraying like a U.S. president, I think is like a, a nice um, change of pace for him. And then on the other side of things like Matthew McFadyen here, uh, my only exposure to him is in Succession. And in that show, he did a really good job of kind of playing subservient and sniveling and kind of, you know, towing to the powers that will serve him best. So uh, the fact that we're going to see not only the rise of U.S. President James Garfield, uh, but also his assassination. It makes me wonder, like I have to, I'll have to revisit my history. Maybe you can educate me here, Jay, but I don't know if mm-hmm. they hadn't a relationship uh, before the assassination took place, but if so, it'd be interesting to see that dynamic play out. And I could see, you know, a strong presence like uh, Michael Shannon playing really well with like what uh, McFadden has done in the past. Yeah. I'm, I'm always, a lot of times when I hesitate and don't jump in, it's because I think one of you would have a better take on a thing. And so I hesitated because I was like, I don't. Need, I didn't even know James Garfield was assassinated. So Jay should take this one, right? <laughs> Wait, I have a very serious question for Scotty. You haven't seen Matthew McFadden in Pride and Prejudice? No, I haven't. Ah! Is that, is, who who is in that one? Kira Knightley. Okay, I've, I figured as much. That does he does he play? Um, what's the character's name? Mister Darcy. Mister Darcy. Oh, Mr. Darcy. Shame, I know okay. your name. Scotty. <laughs> You know, I, I'm pretty well versed. I'm, I'm not opposed to trying it. I just haven't gone down that rabbit hole. I haven't had that moment yet. Mm. That was a an older one, wasn't it? Or like, like a 2005. Few years. Yeah, yeah. Like okay, yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. I, I have seen that. I didn't really remember him being in it, but yeah. The story there um, between Garfield and Gateau, it actually is really interesting. Like it's probably not enough time to explain it all like in detail here but uh Gato was one of these guys who he kind of felt really like snubbed by Garfield like he felt like he had had he like he had a central role in helping him get to the position that he was in and was never like was never given his due for that and so there was this like a lot of anger and frustration built up from this like fr- all these frequent attempts to like you know, endear himself to Garfield, like feeling like he had made Garfield, you know, and kind of felt like this anger. And that's what really prompted the assassination. So it's a really interesting story. And I, I love the what's really interesting about this project is the idea that they're not sort of just being like, well, here's the thing. It's about Gar, it's about President Garfield. And then there's just going to be a guy show up at the end and kill him. And that's it. And you don't know anything about it. But they've cast the two leads as the president and the assassin. So to me, that tells me like they're going to tell these like two concurrent storylines and then converge them, which I think makes it just really enticing to like, kind of look at the whole picture, you know, that it's not like, like any movie that's ever been made about, Kennedy, it's like the main guys play as Kennedy and then just some random extra plays Oswald, you know, and he's just in the building and that's it. But you never learn anything about Oswald, you know, it's just like he's just the guy who shoots him, you know, or whatever. So, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a cool, uh, it's a cool and interesting project. Uh, I'm really intrigued by it. Hyperion Avenue Books, a Disney publishing worldwide imprint, announced the first book in a new adult series called Breaking the Dark, a Jessica Jones Marvel crime novel. The book is written by Lisa Jewell and will be released July 2nd, 2024. Haley, I thought this was really cool. Marvel has a lot of young adult books out that you can buy and read. I have several on my shelf that I haven't cracked open yet. Um, But this is neat because it's specifically an adult adult series. Um, And Lisa Jewell is a crime thriller writer. So they've chosen someone in the genre to write this very genre book. And I'm looking forward to it. 
Tim Burton has been tapped by Warner Brothers to direct Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, a reimagined telling of the 1958 Warner Brothers movie classic, which primetime Emmy nominee Gillian Flynn is writing. Scotty, uh, let's start the campaign to get Florence Pugh cast now, can we? (laughs) 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 She's so short. Let's make her 50 feet. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) More, More Florence Pugh, more better. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Scotty likes it too. (laughs) Jim Carrey will reprise his role as Dr. Robotnik in the upcoming Sonic the Hedgehog 3. Jessica Jones actress Kristen Ritter and Ted Lasso actor Christo Fernandez have been recently added to the cast. Scotty. I remember after Sonic 2 came out, which I still haven't seen, Jim Carrey like came out and said that he was going to retire from acting and uh, hadn't really heard much since then. So I, I guess that was pretty short-lived. I guess you know the Sonic money is enough to, to keep the man coming back. But I, I really like Jim Carrey, so uh, to, to hear that he'll continue to work, I hope he does more things outside of the, the Sonic franchise as well. <laughs> Man. No, that's his last be, last performance. It's uh, in Sonic. It'd be well. That was supposed to be Sonic too. Yeah. It'd be so weird and kind of Andy Kaufman esque of him if like he just did like six more Sonic movies and that's all he ever does again. Like he worked for another forty years, but it's just all Sonic movies. <laughs> Carl Weathers, the former NFL player who made his mark in Hollywood as the boxer Apollo Creed in the first four Rocky films and with appearances in such other projects as Predator, Happy Gilmore, and The Mandalorian, has died. He was 76. Haley, obviously super well-known from the Rocky films, Mm. but uh, super, super sad news. There's been no explanation, which of course we aren't owed one, but it just seems like he was all right and then now he's gone and so it's sad because he's beloved in these other projects and i think he had a lot more to do in the mandalorian so um sad just sad Mm. yeah yeah he's um he's in a a super bowl commercial with rob gronkowski about like um i think it's for like I don't know, FanDuel or something like that, but uh, it's been airing in the lead up to the Super Bowl. And I read today that they're still going to air that ad. Uh, They've kind of met with his family and decided like how they wanted to approach that. But, you know, he just, he was one of those guys, like he was in his prime still. Like, I mean, he's always kind of just been one of those guys. He just thought he was going to live to a hundred, you know, he just like Mm. always was like killing it in every role he was in. And um, yeah, it's, it's really, really disappointing. Like a lot of people, um, it was really touching to see people come out like Pedro Pascal put out a big thing talking about how, you know, he made such a connection with him on the set of the Mandalorian, like Adam Sandler put out a big thing and like Sylvester Stallone, like all these people came out with these like huge, like uh, tributes to him about just, uh, even they haven't worked with him for years and years and years, just saying like, man, this guy was just the best. Um, so yeah, it's really, really sad. Indeed. Following suit from other Star Wars shows such as The Mandalorian and Obi-Wan Kenobi, Marvel Comics will begin to release books that adapt the first season of Ahsoka in comics form. Haley, these are literally, if you've seen the show, you've read these comic books, but they're kind of fun to flip through um, just to see those shows in a different art medium. Um, I like to watch, look at them in Marvel Unlimited. It's kind of cool just to also like buy the physical copy and have your your favorite show like 
you know, in a in a comic yeah. book form. That's well, really I neat. should say my favorite um, comic cover variant artist, David Nakayama, is doing the first one, mm-hmm. and it looks rad. So, of course, I'm going to buy it. That's awesome. <laughs> Tom Holland will star as Romeo in a Jamie Lloyd theater reimagining of Romeo and Juliet for London's West End. The production will run for 12 weeks and will begin performances in May. Uh, Haley, I guess I can go, Tom, doing some Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Way to get your serious acting chops out. <laughs> right. <laughs> get them out. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> go somewhere and get, get rid of those been a serious actor. things. He's like, hey, listen, you can't be Spider-Man forever. You know, get out there, do some, do some theater. I feel <laughs> like when actors do that, they want to be taken seriously. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. The prequel series to Star's Outlander, titled Outlander Blood of My Blood, has started filming in Scotland. Harriet Slatter and Jamie Roy will play Ellen McKenzie and Brian Fraser, uh, who will eventually become Jamie's parents in 18th century Scotland. Hermione Corfield and Jeremy Irvine will play Julia Morrison, Morriston and Henry Beauchamp, Claire's parents, whose study unfolds in World War I-era England. I'll, I'll talk about it. This is really interesting. I didn't know they were doing a prequel series to Outlander. I've watched some of Outlander. I, I, for whatever reason, I can't get fully into it, but I didn't know they were doing a prequel series. And I guess it will also feature hinky time travel things, so that's pretty fun, <laughs> um, given that it's set in these two different time periods. Uh, yeah, that's that's really fun. And... Uh, I'm I'm interested to see what they do with that because it's it's always been an interesting series to me mostly because of the uh um Ronald D Moore's uh presence in the writing staff or like writing it uh, with his wife um I've always been a fan of Ronald D Moore and so even though the show wasn't really for me uh it like it's always had a it's always held a lot of interest and so the fact that they're expanding we, into a universe what else might we recognize Ronald D Moore from Well his biggest one's Battlestar Galactica oh, okay. the showrunner of Battlestar Galactica which everyone Knows him from, but before that, he was the show for a time. He was the showrunner of Deep Space Nine, okay. my favorite Star Trek show. Um, so he's a he's much beloved in my heart for that, um, and really like taking Star Trek to a place that had never been with the sort of overarching. Honestly, even TV in general, like when Deep Space Nine did it, it wasn't really being done much of anywhere. Having an overarching plot on your TV show, like they did that like in a very early way before mm. like any, all other like network TV shows were doing the episodic procedural thing. And he's like, Oh, well let's do. And they were, they, they, they talk about it. It's really interesting. They talk about how the only reason they got to do that is because Voyager came out and got way more popular. <laughs> so the eyes were on Voyager and D space nine got to kind of do what it wanted. And the, the suits hated it and thought it wasn't doing well. And they, they pushed back, but they didn't care enough to like fight him. So he just kind of started doing these overarching plots. And that be, I mean, that, that led to a lot of the television we have today. I think it's really, really, uh, he's, uh, it's a interesting figure in, uh, TV history. And now he's doing this, like, you know, long form romance drama for without Lander, and I think that's really cool. Gina Carano, previous co-star on The Mandalorian, has filed suit against Disney and Lucasfilm for discrimination and wrongful termination. Carano was fired in 2021 after sharing a controversial social media post. Elon Musk will foot the legal bill as part of his promise to assist those who feel they have been discriminated against on his social platform X. 
Scotty, I'll just say, you know, she's she's well within her rights to pursue this lawsuit if she wants to. I don't see it going anywhere, and I think it's, you know, kind of makes her look foolish by extension. But, uh, you know, the other part of it, I, I really think, like, if she is going to do this, I just think it's it's really distasteful to do it in the same week that your co-star, you know, passed away, and you didn't have anything to, to say about that. So, like, that's all I'll say. You mm-hmm. couldn't have waited a week. You know, mm. to do this but whatever so, she hasn't had a problem with being distasteful before so. exactly nope. <laughs> yeah. you know this is so out of character it is unfortunate because i think that carl weathers like he didn't support her but he was like supportive of her as a person it, does that make sense i do what you on with it yeah, yeah. He, he was yeah so yeah <laughs> there there is something interesting that came out in this lawsuit filing which like i mean obviously we're all we're going to avoid like the the thorniness that this <laughs> could be uh, in an extended conversation. Cause it's just kind of like a messy thing, but like um, it, I guess Disney before they fired her in the suit uh, said that they gave her opportunities to try to make amends to be able to mm-hmm. stay. So like they said, she had, they had given her the opportunity to like, Hey, if you kind of release an apology for this, like we'll, we'll make it happen. Or, uh, and they, also extended an invite for her to meet with people within Disney who like certain groups within the company that felt like kind of offended by what she said. And she turned that down too. So I think like, you know, that's, that probably plays in Disney's favor a little bit in a, in a lawsuit type thing. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know if she has much ground to stand on legally speaking here, but um, you know, it's a, it's definitely a story that needed to be talked about. Cause it's definitely, I mean, it was trending all day and maybe that was the point was to get it trending. Maybe it wasn't ever about the money in the first place, you know? Mm. seems seems very publicity stunt to me but mm-hmm. yeah, speaking of the publicity it's also it's elon musk picking one high profile case to back up with money so that his like claim that he's gonna back up people's lawsuits which will never happen he won't do this for mm-hmm. anyone that's like claimed discrimination on x that won't happen it cost him too much money so like he's just doing it on one high profile case her post was on instagram too it wasn't even on wasn't even on Twitter, so it's like, mm. it's not, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and this all feels like it has the makings of like a future Adam McKay satire for some reason to me. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I can see it. I can definitely see it. And yeah, that's the thing. Is like, she got in trouble for stuff she said. They gave her a chance to walk it back because you know, if you look up the post, I, I mean, I'll just I'll just go and say it. Basically, she was saying that as a conservative person, she was being persecuted like the Jews were in the Holocaust. Like that was her, that was her post was like, this is how it starts. This is how Holocaust starts. We're the ones being, uh, trampled underfoot right now. Like, no, like you're just not, you, you, and it's kind of sad because like, I think people that think that it's because they are in a echo chamber. It's completely divorced from reality of what's happening in the world. She says something like, uh, it, it, ch- challenging people for their views is the same thing as challenging people for, uh, or like, you know, canceling people for their views is the same thing as canceling people for their race, which is like, no, if you've chosen a view that is abhorrent, like you can be judged for that. You should be canceled for that. And like, no, like, yeah, it's just, it's just, she, she, she dug in her heels and, uh, didn't let, uh, you know, cooler heads prevail. She could have still had a career with star Wars, you know, she chose to sacrifice herself and fall on that sword. So, yeah, I have not much, uh, not much the way of pity for that. All except for the fact that it's probably because she's in an echo chamber and doesn't know better. 
Like, like if you really think that you're just, you're just not, not awake to reality. So sorry. Sorry to talk (laughs) politics. Uh, Deadpool co-creator Rob Liefeld announced he is retiring from writing the character in the comics after 33 years. Haley, I thought this was timely with Deadpool 3 coming out this year, and he said in his post that he's uh, retiring because of he, he wants to and that the character's in a really good place in comics, and that's where he wanted to leave it. Hmm. Scotty, so he said he's retiring from writing, but he didn't say anything about drawing, so our days of pouches and barrel-chested heroes are, are not over yet. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rob Liefeld, though. I feel like I should throw that in there. I felt like I was kind of not yeah. too kind to him. Uh, I know it's very common, uh, common complaint about it. It's common complaints about his drawings that Captain America will live in infamy. <laughs> exactly. That's the one. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> uh, Ferb's images of Michael Douglas starring as Benjamin Franklin in Apple TV's upcoming limited series, Franklin, uh, <laughs> have hit social media. The show, based on Pulitzer Prize winner Stacy Schiff's book, follows Benjamin Franklin on a covert mission to France during the American Revolution and is set to premiere on April 12, 2024. Apple is also releasing a show called Manhunt, uh, based on a book by James L. Swanson. The show stars Tobias Mingus, as he leads the hunt for John Wilkes Booth after Lincoln's assassination, Manhunt will begin streaming March 15th. Matt, I feel like... Okay, we got Manhunt, we got Franklin, we got uh, Garfield, uh, which they're not going to call Garfield because I think it would just elicit cats and lasagna. Played by Chris Pratt. Yeah, James Bay Garfield is played by Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh, Lord. I would be, they, they should do that and they should put them out on the same day. They should do the <laughs> James Garfield movie and Garfield and, and make it an Oppenheimer type situation. Uh, Garfield v. Garfield in the box office. Um, no, uh, I just, I think this is all downhill from Hamilton. I really do. Like Hamilton was such a tour de force five years ago or whatever. And I really think that like a lot of this historical president focused dramas from especially the early days of the country are like, People had ideas back then that are now coming to fruition. You see that with a lot of these sorts of like, it ha- it takes a few years, especially with all the strikes and COVID. But like, I I, th- I have a feeling that a lot of this is like all that interest in Hamilton. People were like, what could we do with what could we do that's like that? <laughs> and just seeing the shows called Franklin, I was like, really? Are they going to be <laughs> having rap breaks in there? Hey, it's Franklin. I don't want to hear Michael <laughs> Douglas rap. <laughs> oh, I do. I do. All no. day. <laughs> Filmmaker David Leach is in discussions to direct the next installment in the Jurassic World franchise, scheduled for release on July 2nd, 2025, as confirmed by Hollywood Reporter. The film, written by David Kep, will be produced by Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment, with Spielberg serving as an executive producer. Scotty? Yeah, I like this choice for a, a director, and it really does speak to the fact that, like, while 2025 still seems like a little bit too quick of a turnaround time for me, it does prove the fact that they're committed to this thing. They like the script that they have, and they're going to make it happen pretty quickly. So I like David Leach. Um, you know, I think about Bullet Train as his most recent theatrical release. That was a, a pretty entertaining movie, but I do think he would really benefit from, like, a strong writer. So you've got David Kep, you've got David Leach, you've got Double the Dave, let's get Double the Dinosaurs and make it happen. <laughs> 
I got to get yes, in this indeed. point out that the release date of July 2nd, 2025 is insane. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if David uh, Leach just came in and they were like, hey, you want to do Jurassic? Like, and he's like, yeah, I, I will get it to you by July 2nd. Like, and they were like, all right, let's do this. Like, that's crazy <laughs> that they haven't even started filming. They don't even have a cast. Like, they don't, I mean, that thing's got to get moving like yesterday. So that's yeah. very ambitious. Um, but, uh, mm-hmm. they must, I mean, I don't know why they're in such a hurry. Like I don't see anybody else making dinosaur movies, but Hey, they, uh, they really want that date, July 2nd, 2025. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, it does make me think that with the David Leach, uh, connection with bullet train and John wick, like it feels like, uh, Maybe he's a director that really focused on the action, and maybe they're going for like a very action-driven. Reminds me of that scene from Jurassic World, whatever the last one was called, where they're like driving motorcycles and stuff. And I wonder if they're like going to expand on that area of the franchise or that sort of genre that they seem to be leaning into in those scenes. But I don't know. Character posters are dropping on social media for FX's remake of Shogun, based on James. Clavel's epic novel from the 1970s. I think Shogun looks... Sorry, Haley. <laughs> this is mine. <laughs> there are rules, Haley. <laughs> Whatever. There's never been rules on this show. Um, I read Shogun. It took me forever because it's really, really long and it's actually just the two first two books of the Asian saga by James Clavel. But it's really good. And this is going to be a remake from, I think, a miniseries in the 80s. And FX, I think, does these kinds of epic world type shows really well. So I'm really looking forward to it. And it drops a day before my birthday. So woohoo. Ooh. Ooh. Hey. Nice. <laughs> The Los Angeles. I don't know why I was funny. Hey, it was very sarcastic. <laughs> it was not. Really. <laughs> that was sarcastic. <laughs> that, that, definitely sarcastic know. tonight. I'm sorry. I'm breaking the rules left and right tonight. I'm trying to do better. The Los Angeles Philharmonic will provide the Marvel Studios Infinity Saga concert experience at the Hollywood Bowl this August. Haley, I wish I could go. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, sounds awesome. So it's a concert, like it's not matched up to a movie, right? Or is it just the music? I didn't see that it was. I think it might just be the music, but it's at the Hollywood Bowl and that's kind of their thing. I don't know. Um, It's covering a lot of the music though from, yeah, beginning to end of Infinity Saga. I wonder if it'll be selected scenes that have like really powerful. Maybe uh, so. They've done that with the Lord of the Rings trilogy before. Like I know there was one with the Fellowship of the Ring, particularly where like the they would play with the entirety of the mm-hmm. movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So, but with the Infinity mm-hmm. Saga, that's you know I guess you would have to pick out certain scenes. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Nope, it's because yeah, sixty hours long. <laughs> yeah, Lord of the Rings, you only had to deal with Howard Shore. With like the Infinity Saga, you got Tyler Bates, you got right uh, Brian Tyler and yeah, yeah, Alan Silvestri. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Everybody, mm-hmm. Michael Giacchino, yeah. so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Bernardin's short film Splinter is available to view on his YouTube channel. Uh, Scotty, yeah, I added this one as a last minute lightning round entry. I was listening to Fat Man Beyond, which got mentioned on the MCU cast. So, uh, yeah, Mark Bernardin has been promoting his directorial debut for the last couple of years, and it is available on YouTube. So just go to Mark Bernardin's YouTube channel and check out Splinter. It's, it's worth your time, I would say. Hmm, sweet. And uh, that's all of the lightning round, but we did have a, a little bonus segment this week. Uh, just a little throwing throwing in this in for our patrons. Uh, our little segment we call Patron Privilege around here. 
give them their own poll to answer. And uh, we had, what 2024 movie or television show are you most looking forward to and why? Uh, we have Nerdy Tastic says, I'm looking forward to the new series slash season of Doctor Who. Uh, my interest waned in the past few years, but I think the return of Russell T. Davies as showrunner will hopefully set things back on course. I like Shudi Gatwa uh, in the fir- in his first appearance in the Christmas special, so I'm looking forward to what he's going to do uh, during his tenure in the role. Right Love on. that. Yeah, I I really liked what I've seen of Shigatwa so far. Pump for the new era of Who. Always always exciting. I do want to thank Nerdy Tastic for educating me on how to pronounce Shudi Gatwa because I think <laughs> when we said the name in a previous episode, I was nowhere near that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, me neither. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't right. Um, Jordan Boyd, Arc- Arcane season two, uh, November is so far off, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm with you, Jordan. Arcane season one was awesome. Yeah, definitely excited for season two. Yeah, we. Uh, it's funny he mentions that we spoke about it also on the MCU cast this week. Oh yeah, um, Jeff brought it up. He Jeff had a weird Arcane. rabbit hole, but <laughs> yeah, oh, gosh, it's it's a me and Jeff episode. Of course, it was full of weird rabbit holes. <laughs> Um, that's what we do. And uh, last one here, uh, uh, show or a television series that you're looking forward to from Andrew A. Uh, I'd have to say, well, television short movie. <laughs> I'd have to say Deadpool 3, uh, but I'm really looking forward to the community movie and back room, the Back Rooms movie, which is being directed by a 17-year-old YouTuber and produced by A24. I watched the trailer for that back, the Back Rooms movie, and oh, that yeah? looked interesting. Um, yeah, I, I think I heard about this, right? Like, isn't it the Back Rooms of video games or something like that? Isn't that what it's? Is that what it is? I don't know. I think uh, I heard. I, about this I think before. you're right. I think the kid takes like game engines and kind of like mods them to be able to like uh, yeah visit unoccupied spaces in the levels. But yeah, I, he's it's kind of like born out of like the whole like creepy pasta like you know social media horror genre so andrew a i suspect you're probably a fan of like a movie like skinamarink as well but uh yeah i'll be keeping an eye on this one too man i didn't understand any of the words you just said just feeling <laughs> okay <old. laughs> feeling very old right now hey this is your reminder to go take your multivitamin <laughs> <laughs> okay if we got sponsored by a multivitamin though that would make a lot of sense <laughs> and i'd be here for it and i would take one as well <laughs> ollie are you listening <laughs> oh man all right well uh yeah uh well, we, we have the, we did that ag1 sponsorship over on mcu cast and i love them um that's like a multivitamin drink i like it i like get, it a lot i like it a lot <laughs> I had to had to get one in there, you know. I was I was late yeah. this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a suspiciously few references this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the J. Scotty pulls off his mask. He's being played by someone else. <laughs> I knew you weren't J. Scotty. Not nearly enough along. quotes. All right, uh, let's go around the panel and say where they can find you online, Jay Sisson. Yeah, I'm at Commute the Podcast. Uh, it's a weekly podcast that comes out on Monday mornings where we talk about uh, three interesting things in about 20 minutes or so on your way to work. So Commute the Podcast everywhere you get podcasts. Love it. And Haley Hobbs. 
Find me at source pages. We just dropped um, our coverage of the High Republic Phase Two, which is a Star Wars reading like event. If you're into mm-hmm. that, uh, I was on Ryan Doze's show on Many Paths for Superpower Happy Hour. We did the first appearance of Wonder Woman and had a lot of fun at the expense of the comic because it's quite interesting. <laughs> and then on Bingers Assemble, of course, with Matt, Scotty, and Ash doing the Oscars watch. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, it has been fun so far. We're like. I don't know. We're mostly through it now. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Scotty St. Clair. Yeah, catch Animation Deliberation for all your animation needs. And also catch me on the Bingers Oscar coverage. Sweet. And yeah, uh, same here. Bingers Oscar coverage and uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast and uh, Star Trek Universe podcast. All the things. Uh, and right here on Multiverse News. Don't miss this show. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the five starry thing. Uh, write a review. Maybe we'll pick yours next week to read at the top of the show. Uh, we love y'all very much. Thank you for being here and thank you for all the support of the show from the patrons. Um, appreciate you. Patreon.com slash Multiverse Newscast. And uh, we'll be back very soon. Have a good day. You stay classy, Multiverse.